So turning your Bibles to Matthew 1. Does that encourage you? Amen. Matthew 1, 18. We're going to begin reading the... We're going to begin, begin reading the, the first uh, part here of the Christmas story. I'm looking forward to next week, next Sunday, because we're going to have all kinds of, as Sheree announced, we're going to have uh, music and, and eat together and a and, uh, little gift exchange and whatever. Praise God that we do. And, um, and I, just, I just love celebrating, again, this, this, this part of redemption. Matthew 1.18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, uh, being a just man and, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. We could say then Christmas is of the Holy Ghost. The birth of Christ is a Holy Ghost thing. Isn't that wonderful? And he shall bring forth a son... And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So why did he come? He came to save us from our sins. Praise God. You know, on Christmas morning, I am determined to get up and the first thing is to say, Thank you, Lord, for coming to save me from my sins. That's the greatest Christmas present we could receive. No matter what else that somebody hands you, that's the greatest one. Thank God we're redeemed. Thank God we're not under the curse, folks. Thank God the devil can't just run rampant over our lives and just do what he wants. Hallelujah. We are, we are redeemed. We are set free. Uh, and we are delivered. That, if you can't shout about that, like I've said, your shouter is broke. You need to go to the shouter repair shop. Okay. All right. So it says, uh, he shall save his people from their sins. Thank God. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. And that was the prophet Isaiah saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So his name is Jesus, but his name is also Emmanuel. What does that mean? I'm glad it's right here. Don't even have to look it up in the concordance, do you? Which being interpreted is God with us. Hallelujah. I've thought about how many times that we pray and we kind of have this image, and I think religion has done this to us, but uh, we have this image of I'm praying to God and He's way off in heaven, you know, up on the big throne, kind of, you know, there's light years between us and heaven, we are imagining. So, you know, it's like, well, I'm praying to God in heaven. Well, He is God in heaven, isn't He? Praise the Lord. Uh, how many believe there is a heaven? <laughs> 
How many believe God's there? How many believe Jesus is there? Loved ones. But, you know, there is a God in heaven. But that God in heaven is, is not far away. That God in heaven is also in our hearts, right here. He's with us. I like to tell folks, especially when I'm uh, overseas doing mission work, I'll tell people, I'll, I'll preach and they'll translate it, of course, you know, into this, that uh, the Holy Spirit is in you, He's on you, He's with you, and He's surrounding you. Hallelujah. The Bible says that our life is wrapped and hid in Him. Thank you, Lord, for that. And so we need to remember that, that God with us. I love that. That's the, that's the, the message. You know, you could preach this sometime in the middle of July. You don't have to wait till Christmas. But to think about that word, that name, you know, God, God, uh, seems to be more interested in names than, uh, you know, our Western culture is not so into names. But if you read from the Bible, even through the New Testament, names meant something. Isn't it something? That Saul, here we are, New Testament, in the, 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 the New Testament church already. And, and Saul had his name changed to Paul because it meant something else. And so uh, we have here Emmanuel. And it wasn't just, oh, that's a cool name. God didn't say, well, let's get the list of names up here. Pick a cool one. No, he said, Emmanuel, it has meaning. It means God with us. Praise the Lord. You know, sometime you need to maybe change your name to, uh, not, not literally, please, you know, but, uh, in, in the way that you see yourself. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. But every time we utter that name, Emmanuel, we are saying, God, we are acknowledging God with us. Isn't that something? Now, God could have, but He didn't. Thank God He didn't. But God could have. What could He have done? Well, He could do anything He wants. He's God. When you're elected God, you can do what you want. But uh, God could have just... Why couldn't He have just uttered an edict from heaven? Okay, y'all are... I'm redeeming everybody. That's it. It's over. But uh, He sent His Son to be with us to where Jesus literally walked among us. Amen. Was with us in uh, not only in spirit, but with us in actual flesh and blood. Isn't that something? And so God came down and, and became, in a sense, became us. Became one of us. Praise the Lord. And so you see here, he says, uh, Emmanuel. So every time you say that name, Emmanuel, it means God is with us. So that's a good thing to cry out at Christmas time, isn't it? If you start feeling lonely, you start feeling cut off, just say, Lord, I declare that Emmanuel is here with me. Well, you've just said God is with us, is here. Praise the Lord. Well, how could you be cut off or feel estranged with God being with you? And then it says, uh, Joseph, 
being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he, and he called his name Jesus. And we'll tell more of the Christmas story next Sunday. I wanted to focus, though, on this, first of all, on the name and then other scriptures that talk about God being with you. You know, Jesus said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. Did you know that he's never left you even if, you know, even if you, after being saved, if you committed some horrible sin, did something really, really terrible, did you know that Jesus didn't leave you then? He didn't walk off and turn his back and say, this is, this person is so awful I can't even talk to them. Well, that's what religion is painted a picture of, but that's not true. Amen. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Did you know the Holy Spirit uh, doesn't get mad and leave? You know, folks have talked about what, what is it that grieves the Holy Ghost. Paul tells us clearly what it is that grieves the Holy Ghost. He said that uh, speaking words that lift the seal of the Spirit off of someone's life. He said, grieve not the Holy Spirit. First of all, Paul said uh, to uh, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. But what does that mean? You know, some off-color joke or something. Well, that's inappropriate, perhaps, but that's not exactly what he's talking about. What? What would be corruption? Rust corrupts metal, right? If you if you see, so you something that's 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 doing what? Weakening the strength of something is a corruption. And so, any words that corrupt the seal of the Holy Spirit off of our life and attack our confidence in God, attack that, that God is with us, attack that God is for us, attack that God is helping us, any words like that, that's what really, truly, scripturally grieves the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so, sometimes we've thought, well, that you know, somebody had a prophecy and the baby cried and they sang the wrong song and, you know, somebody else, you know burped or something and chewed I've heard it all the way from chewing gum to you know wearing blue jeans grieves the Holy Spirit I've heard every kind of imagination you can imagine of what grieves the Holy Spirit and it's 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 all nonsense what grieves the Holy Spirit is um, speaking words that insert doubt fear and unbelief in the assurance that God is with people. That's what grieves the Holy Spirit. That's why I refuse, as long as I'm up here preaching at you, I refuse to undermine your confidence in God. Um, two reasons that preachers preach like that is uh, fear and control. If I can, let me tell you what witchcraft is all about. You want to know what it's really about? It doesn't have anything to do with pointed hats and eye of newt and the stew. Uh, what is a newt anyway? But uh, some kind of lizard, I suppose. But, uh, uh, you know, what? what is witchcraft all about? Witchcraft is control, but the way that it is, uh, the way that it is, um, used uh, is, is, uh, is, is if I can make you, 
in spirituality, if I can make you feel inferior, that you don't measure up, that somehow, you know, you're always lacking something, then I, in a sense I can control you. Do you see how that works? It's, 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 it's cultish. And uh, I, I recognized it, to be honest with you, I recognized it in our own faith movement years ago. Tremendous amount of control, tremendous amount of fear being put out there. You know, you're always, you're always one anointing away from accepted. You're always one uh, correction away from your healing. You're always one turn one more corner and you'll be there. And so it's, you never measure up. And I've been sitting there sometimes 30 years waiting to, to get to where I could be, whatever, till you're just, you know, you've lost your marbles trying to, trying to measure up. But thank God for the, that's why I preach a lot. You're going to hear more of it. That's why I preach on the finished work. Is it finished or not? How finished is it? Did he pay it all or leave some left over with interest accruing? No, praise God, he did pay it all. Hallelujah. God sees us not as unfinished, you know, disappointing works of disaster, but He sees us in Christ. He sees us finished according to the blood. He sees us according to what God has done for us. And we need to get an image of ourselves like that. To say, thank you, Lord, that you're not dependent on me I'm depending on you. Folks, let's get this turned around and go the right direction. He's not depending on me for my healing, that I get in the right position and say it right and hold my mouth that way and look that way, you know. But praise God that I'm depending on Him for the blessing. He's not depending on me. I I said this in... uh, Y'all get anything out of this today? I said this in Peru... uh, when I was uh, I'm in Chile, when I was gone this this last trip, and I, I was talking about our temptation, especially if we've got a word of faith background. But our temptation is that if things aren't working out, if our if the healing is not coming through, if if something's not happening, if the money seems to be held up, or whatever it is that you're believing God for. Uh, you know, something with the kids or whatever. Uh, it, it, we have a tendency to start looking away from Christ, away from the cross, away from the finished work, and start looking at ourselves. We're so tempted to analyze, I want to figure out what's wrong with David. Instead of trying to figure out what's wrong with David, what's wrong with David is David is David. That's the problem. But, uh, but, uh, Instead of analyzing ourselves, and religion is always pushing us to look at yourself, look at yourself, look at yourself, look at the snakes, look at the problems, look at you. Well, I don't know. I must be doing something wrong. It's not happening. I've been praying and I've been believing God. You know. You ever get on that thing? It's a merry-go-round that goes faster and faster. Now you're afraid to get off. You might break your neck. The religious merry-go-round. And, and I tell you, I've been on that thing, riding that horse up and down until you want to just, you know, I'm, I'm going to kamikaze here, get off of this thing. But praise God, you know, you just say, 
Glory to God, it's not about me, it's about Him. Who's my Savior? I am. I'm the self-Savior. That's the, see, that's the problem. It's called, it's called, it's the height of idolatry. Again, we preached on idolatry our whole lives about, don't make your car your idol, don't make your, you know, whatever it is, your idol, and that's, there's a truth there. But you know what? That's not our biggest temptation is to make the car the idol or the house or the piece of jewelry or something. That's not the temptation. The temptation is to make ourselves the idol. To I'm going to save myself, heal myself, supply my need. I'm going to, I'm going to self-help David. But I've always said, how can I help me if I'm the problem? I need something beyond me. I don't know about you. I'm just opening my heart. I'm sure everybody here is all fixed up. But praise God, right? We all need supernatural help. That's why we're in church. I'm going to get down here and climb over the whatever this is. The rail. The altar rail. I, I, I tell you... We all, we all, we all need supernatural grace, supernatural faith, supernatural healing, supernatural supply, and supernatural everything from God. Everything. No wonder we cry out, Jesus, you are my all in all. You are my everything. Because if I start looking at myself, Boy, the, the, the confidence unravels quickly. Because if you're truly honest with yourself, you know that in the crevices of your soul and your heart, there's funky stuff. But thank God I'm not depending on funky me. I'm depending on, on perfect God. He is perfect. He is holy. He is, you think there's, you think there's an epidemic of Ebola in heaven? No. Is there, is there, is there social, cultural, governmental meltdown there? No, thank God. And that's, we are not citizens of this earth. Preach, Brother Horton. We are citizens, amen. We are citizens of heaven. God is our very own Father. We are His children. Even when we were still sinners, Ephesians says, Christ died for us. So why am I going to try now to go get on some kind of an earning His favor treadmill? Forget that. Praise God. I'm going to just say, thank God. You know, God is with us. Emmanuel. You know, uh, he's, he's, He has done it all for me. And my life is wrapped and hid in Him. And when when things get tough and the snakes start biting more, you know, we're talking about the serpent on the pole. What did did, uh, Moses say? Look up. He said, look at the serpent on the pole, which is a type of Christ on the cross. Look at the cross. Look at the blood. Look at the finished work. Say, well, yeah, but the pain has gotten worse. Look more. <laughs> yeah, but the, I, I'm just so tempted to look at my problems and look at my circumstances. Well, then, if you have to, hold your head like this. And if your eyes are tempted to go down and look, you know, at the floor, you just to straighten your head up 
If you have to, duct tape your head to the back of your shoulders until all you can do is stare at the cross. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to fix my gaze. I'm going to set my face like flint. And I'm going to look at Jesus. And I'm going to look at His shed blood. And I'm going to look at redemption. And I'm going to look at what He did for me and, and, and cry out, Abba Father. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to look at Christ. And I think that in this day in which we live, you know, it's, it's the same for every generation. Every generation has the same. There's nothing new. It's the same temptations. Same problems. There's always a, a new designer disease of the week they're announcing. It's going to be the epidemic that's going to kill everybody. But I'll t- it's always it's always been this way. But I'll tell you something where where, where this is this is just happens to be the slice of time that we're here on the earth alive with with our with our lives. It's just life. But I'll tell you something about that life is that God, um, uh, uh, wants us to continue to gaze at Him. And here's the reason is because every, all these things are nothing but distractions. And so if, if, if the devil can distract you from beholding his face, then that's what he'll do. And say, well, why, what, what, what does, what, remember, remember the temptation of Eve in the garden. It has very little to do with fruit. And it has very little to do with what fruit it was. And you get into some big argument, you know, <laughs> a seminary discussion on which fruit it was and why. And then, you know, it doesn't matter. Call it an apple if you want, I don't know. I don't care. It's not the fruit that counts. It's not even the action that counts. What counts is the doubt. That's what counts. And Lucifer, in the form of this serpent, Satan, he came to her and he said, Hath God said? And there's the point of sin. Hath God said? And so, she... She had this prevailing thought. What's the prevailing thought? I lack. And that's what the devil wants you to believe. You lack. You lack money. You lack friendship. You lack healing. You lack strength. You lack care, support, whatever it is that you think that you lack. And the devil keeps saying you lack, you lack, you lack. You lack holiness. You lack commitment. You lack whatever it is. If I ever preach a message here on commitment, it's going to be about God's commitment to you. Because commitment has to come from the heart. I can't stand here as a pastor and stomp my foot at this church and say, I demand commitment. Well, stomp all you want, bro. Most folks, the more you stomp at them, the more that they kind of back away. I don't know, like Brother Hagin used to say, if you, if you call hogs, and maybe that's a horrible 
you know, analogy. But he said even hogs, the lowest, you know, animal there, he says even they have enough sense that if you call them to eat and you hit them in the head with a two-by-four, every time they come, eventually they will stop coming. So, you know, I don't know why we treat, pe- treat, treat hogs better than we do people. That's terrible. But you know what? I've just never, I, I've been in the ministry for, for, you know, 30-something years now, and I have never motivated anybody to do much of anything for long by stomping at them and clapping at them and barking at them and making them feel guilty and bad and awful if they don't. That just that that might work, you know, for a short period of time, but it doesn't work long term. Hallelujah. We need to. I want you to do what you do because you want to do it. Because it's in your heart. Because God's motivating you. Because because you of the love of God and the love of the church and the love of whatever. Amen. Praise the Lord. Not because pastor's standing there clapping his hand and stomping his foot. And I just don't think that that's the way to approach things. Glory to God. I, and let me tell you what else, I don't respond to that much either, you know, stomping and hand clapping and yelling at me. I just go, well, praise God, okay. But, uh, I am here. Why are you here, Brother David? I'm here because I want to be. <laughs> and if I don't, if I didn't want to be here, I wouldn't be here. Wild horses. Couldn't drag me to this church if I didn't want to be here. But I, I'm here because I want to be. Praise the Lord. I love, I love the Word. And I love you guys. And I love those that aren't even here. I love them too. Praise the Lord. And uh, I love the people that are going to be coming that we don't even know yet. But by faith, I'm loving them. And I want to be here. Sheree and, Sheree and I, we want to be here. If we didn't want to be here, we wouldn't be here. And so I'm sure that's the way you feel too. So isn't that wonderful? That we do what we want to do. And unless you understand the grace of God and the finished work of the cross and His love for us and His commitment to us, we can never begin to have commitment if we don't rest in His commitment. God is committed. How much is He committed? In so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Thank God. All right. Turn to Psalm. We'll wrap this up. You getting anything out of this today? I came back from South America all on fire. Some of their pepper sauce maybe kicked in. I want you to look at the 23rd Psalm. Praise the Lord. How many know the 23rd Psalm? I'll show you something there. It's a short, short one, isn't it? It's only six verses. We're going to end the message today on that. You know, again, the theme today is God with us. He's with us. Why don't you just lift your hand right now and say, thank God for His presence. In my life. He's with me. He's with me. He's with me. He's with me and I'm with Him. Praise God. And then Jesus said, I'll never. When, when's He going to leave you? When you're discouraged, is He going to leave you? 
when you're not making good faith confessions and you're actually complaining? Is he with you then? Yes. Is he with you when you're shouting and you got the victory? Yeah. Is he with you when you just can't shout? Is he with you then? Is he with you when you're doing everything right and following the rules of the holiness of the first Pentecostal church of the perfected saints incorporated? Is he with you then? Is he with you when you're acting like an idiot and letting your flesh take you over? Is he with you then? Yes. Amen. Surely nobody here acts like an idiot. Didn't say you were an idiot. Just, you know, sometimes we act like one. But, uh, praise God. He's with us always. Thank God for some constants here. Boy, we need some foundation stones. We're going to put up a building. We better have some foundation stones. Bring out some cement, some gravel, and some rebar, and get us a foundation going here. We're going to build something. We're going to build a life. We better get a foundation. Hallelujah. He's with us. Is he with us when it looks like we're winning the war? Yes. Is he look, is he with us when we feel like we're losing it? People say, I'll tell you what, I'm about to lose it here. Well, go ahead and lose it. But he hasn't, he hasn't given up. One time I told my wife, we were believing God, man, we started our ministry, we're out there on the road, and Bob Tilton put up his satellite dish and all these churches canceled meetings on evangelists because we're going to have satellite church. Well, that lasted five minutes, but nonetheless, you know, we, you know, I'd get a call on a Friday. Now, see, I'm a young evangelist. I'm believing God. I'm living off of my offerings they're giving me from church to church. And they call Friday night. Well, Brother Tilton's announced we're going another week with the satellite revival, so we don't need you. And I said, well, all right, praise God, God bless you, you know, and just hardly any money. Well, we know we got down there. It was a tough time. And I told Sri, I said, well, go check the mailbox. Today's the last opportunity God has to bail us out. And uh, so she went and came back in, nothing there. I said, that's it, it's over. It's over. There's no, there's no hope. This is Brother Horton here, Mr. Faith Encouragement. There's no hope. It's over. God's, uh, God's missed his chance. That's it. That's exactly what I said. Can you imagine that? She looked at me and she said these loving, supportive words. You have lost your mind. That's what she said. Those were the loving, caring, supportive, sensitive words from my wife. You have lost your mind. And I said, I think I have. I've gone insane now. Not only am I broke, but I'm crazy. You know, and anyway, I wasn't long. You know, my pastor at that time, as a pastor uh, uh, that I had, he called me on the phone. His name was Brother Jerry Zirkel. He called me on the phone, and uh, Sister Ruby, I don't know who that is. He called me on the phone, and he said, I've been praying for you the last seven miles driving from my house to the church. And he said, I see you, you're in the middle of your living, of your, of your bedroom floor crying out to God. Is that right? Where are you right now? 
I said, well, I'm in the middle of my bedroom floor. And you're praying, right? Yeah. Well, the Lord wants you to know that uh, he's answered your prayer and it won't be long before what you need comes in. But in the meantime, he's, uh, you need to repent. I said, for what? Because, <laughs> see, I, th- I said, oh, it's so good to have a pastor that hears from God. Then he said that part. And I thought, he's not hearing from God anymore. He was hearing from God last five minutes, but now he's gone into the wrong side. He's gone to the dark side. He said, well, the Lord told me why you've got a problem. I said, what? Now, I was sure it was because I have such an amazing anointing that all the demons have gotten together and decided to attack me. That was what I was sure he was going to say. And I'm a target and I'm at the top of the list in hell for the threat and all that. That's what I wanted to hear. But instead, he said, it's your own fault. You've been cursing yourself. I said, I said, I that's not right. <laughs> I know, right? That's not right. I'm thinking, well, man, a pastor was hearing from God. And now he's hearing from the devil. And I said, well, okay. He said, well, that's what the Lord said. I got off the phone and I said, well, he was starting out hearing from God and then he missed it. Because the Lord knows, I'm a word of faith man. I understand confession. I never say anything. You know. And I said, Lord, tell me the real reason why I'm having a problem. He said, because you've been cursing yourself. I said, well, you're in cahoots with the pastor. (laughs) Now I got the pastor and the Holy Ghost ganging up on me. This is unfair treatment. Who can I appeal to? Wait, nobody higher than God. I'm in trouble. The Lord said, all right, I'll turn on the tape. And it was like, it was like a, in my mind, it was like a video came on, a DVD player, and the Lord hit the button, VHS in those days, hit the button, the tape began to play, and I could see myself saying, well, you know, the money hasn't been coming in like it should, and the, you know, and I'm just spewing forth horrible confessions, cursing myself. I said, all right, turn it off. That's what I told the Lord. Turn it off. I can't take it anymore. You proved your point. Thank you. So I got it straight. Wasn't long before we got back on track. Amen. Never looked back. But praise God, you know. (laughs) Once again, it isn't about us. Boy, I can't get off of that theme. Ephesians 2.8, you know, the middle part says, you know, it is not of ourselves. Folks, our redemption, our righteousness, our faith, our encouragement, our hope, our trust, our healing, our finances, everything we need from God, it is not of ourselves. It is from God. Alright, so the Lord, He won't leave you nor forsake you. You know, I'm, Paul said, I'm convinced that there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Not even my own doubt, not even my own fear, not even my own problems. There's nothing that can separate me. No problem, no sickness, no no challenge can separate me from the love of God. It's a distraction, and I'm the devil's trying to get me to admit with Eve, <laughs> the mother of us all, <laughs> to say, Yeah, you're right. 
I do lack. I'm going to eat. Uh, I'm going to partake of this of this fruit. And what was that fruit of self-effort? I'm going to, I'm going to help God here. Well, I'm not helping God. If I try to help God, I'll just mess it up. The blessing of the Lord makes fat. And uh, one translation says, and human effort cannot add anything of value to it. All right. All right, Psalm 23, you ready for that? Have you found it yet? It's in the Old Testament for those of you still searching. Okay, that's a joke. The Lord is my shepherd. The who? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. This sounds good, doesn't it? He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Doesn't lead me in the, down condemnation alley. <laughs> the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Now look at this, verse 4. Maybe this is where you're at right now. Yea, of course, you know, this is prophecy talking about Jesus, but it still relates to us, doesn't it? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You ever walk through that one? You ever walk through that valley? doesn't say it's the valley of death. It says the shadow of death. I will fear no evil while I'm walking through the shadow of the thing. Might even cast a, a, a darkness along my way. But I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Emmanuel, God with us. Here we have it. Thou art with me. Aren't you afraid of what the doctor said? No, because God is with me. Aren't you afraid of what the accountant said? No, because God is with me. Did you look that up on the internet? What does Google say? Well, I'm not, I'm not worshiping Google. I'm worshiping God. Both start with G. But one's from heaven and one's from God. I don't know where. Al Gore claims it. But you know, and he starts with G. But, uh, hallelujah. I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. God, not Gore and Google. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What does rod and staff represent? Authority. Authority and leadership. Praise God. God's leading us, folks. Those sheep will follow. The Lord is my shepherd. This is about sheep and a shepherd. And the shepherd, I watched it. I was on an Israel tour once, you know. And I watched. And uh, they can have, you know, like four shepherds. We watched it. Four shepherds come down to where roads all meet, you know. And all and four flocks of sheep are following their shepherd. And all of a sudden, there's one flock. All four flocks of sheep have converged in this intersection out in the countryside. And we're on the tour bus, and the guy says, watch something. And every one of those shepherds is going, you know, across the road, crossing like this. And they're crossing and you got four flocks of sheep and they're all one big mass. But the shepherd calls 
and his sheep follow him. They all just jump around and hop over and everything. And before you know it, they're all going. They know. Hallelujah. We know the voice of our shepherd. We know the voice of God. And even though the shepherd might say, well, to get to where we've got to go, we're going to go through a dark spot. We're going to go through a place where the, it's a steep canyon and it's rocky and it's, and it's, and it seems treacherous and it seems as though the shadow of death is hanging over us. But praise God, I'm going to keep following my shepherd because I know where is he leading me beside the still waters. He's leading me someplace great. God's not leading you into a hole to die in. Preach, brother David. Glory to God. That He's, He, and the rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Why? Because He's the shepherd. Only the shepherd has the rod and the staff. The, the, uh, the sheep don't carry rods and staff. You don't find a sheep out there with a rod in his mouth going, follow me, I'm the lead sheep here. No. The, the shepherd, the captain, of our soul. He carries the rod and the staff. This is as long as the shepherd's alive and he's got the rod and the staff. What does that represent? Authority, power, leadership. He knows where he's going. How many believe the shepherd knows where he's going? You say, Lord, I don't know. I'm walking through this thing with you. It doesn't feel very good. It doesn't look very good. It doesn't seem very good. I don't know, Lord. You sure you know where you're going? Why don't you admit you're lost? He's not lost. Amen. And I got comfort knowing that He's with me. And sure, how many believe the shadow of death might be dark? But remember, it's just a shadow. Who's our shepherd? The one who's overcome death, hell, and the grave. What about sin? He bore it and overcame it. What about the demons and all the powers of darkness and the devils? Satan, what about it? Yeah, what about it? Amen? What does the Bible say? He led captivity captive. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Amen? Jesus won. He's our shepherd. What's he going to do? Well, you get the other side of this thing. Look at verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That, does, that means the last day of your life that you live on this earth, you have goodness and mercy with you. You are never forsaken, not even right up to the last breath that you draw on this planet. Hallelujah! You don't have to have nine weeks of destruction and then you go. Hallelujah! Like Brother Hagen told that sister in his church, Grandma Jeffcoat, that was her name. He goes to take this church, Little Assemblies of God Church, you know, in Texas, back there in the 40s. And she's, they said, he said, give me the sick list. They gave him, Grandma Jeffcoat's been shut in. 
She's got stomach cancer. How many know that's a bad one? Stomach cancer. The doctor's given up on her. She's laying in bed, and he knocks on the door, and she hollers from the back bedroom, come on in, the door's open. He goes in there. He says, I'm the new pastor. You know, he's like 20-something. He says, I'm the new pastor, sister, of the Assemblies of God Church. I've come to raise you up. She said, please go away. He said, uh, no, I'm coming to pray the prayer of faith for your healing. Just let me die. I am trying to die here. Can't you see? I'm, I'm, she was 80 something. She says, I'm done. I'm over. It's over. I'm trying to get out of here. Just leave me alone. He said, you can die if you want to, but you're not dying sick. She said, oh, please go away. I beg you. I would throw you out if I had physical strength. He said, nope. Not going to do it. Well, praise God, you know, he kept reading the word to her. He got Grandma Jeff Coat healed of stomach cancer. He left that church, went on, you know, in his ministry. He t- t- uh, Ten years later, he's in that area preaching and uh, asked the, ran into the pastor at a minister's meeting. Said, hey, you're the new pastor of that church I used to be at. He said, yeah, that's right. He said, whatever happened to uh, Grandma Jeff Coat? Said, well, she's 92, and uh, she's uh, she has stopped driving her car at night. Well, praise God, out of there, you know, sometime after that, she went on to be with the Lord, but she didn't die sick. Amen. People say, well, you got to die of something. That's right, you got to die of something. Well, I tell you what, you die with you die with turning your key and say, "Beam me up, Scotty." Praise the Lord. It can be like that. I watched, we watched Brother Hagin do that. You know, I mean, he said, well, the way you die, you go and you sit down with your loved ones and have breakfast. And then after that, you just say, bye, I'm out of here. That's what he did. He had breakfast. My mother was serving him strawberries and he, and uh, he didn't make it through the strawberries. He had, you know, eggs and all that other stuff. But he didn't make it through the strawberries and he looked at his wife and smiled and his head went mop and he was out. Praise the Lord. No struggle. Didn't even cough. It wasn't even a... (laughs) Just out. Praise God. You can have faith for that. You know that? You don't have to be out of your mind and hooked up to 1,900 machines and and, uh, all that. Well, it says here, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. Reading this again. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. All of them. And I will, after that, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise God. That's a great God with us scripture right there. So Christmas, let the Christ of Christmas, let the Holy Spirit dwell with you and be with you and in you. Amen. And you celebrate and sing all the carols and, uh, and, and, and say, this is in celebration of my redemption and my righteousness. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. Today, for your goodness, your mercy and grace, we thank you for your love.